on ABC Radio. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi. Ahoy there. Welcome aboard another edition of The Big Fish. And this morning, a bit of a reoccurring theme with some of our fishing gurus who spend a lot of time on the water. Craig McGill on Sydney Harbour and Cole the Waymaster Treneman on the river at Port Macquarie on the mighty Hastings way up in the fresh water have an observation about the toothy men in the grey suits. They're everywhere. That's coming up. First cast on the big fish. up the lazy river but he won't be jumping in for a swim good morning treno <laughs> hey treno i'm well what just happened up that lazy hastings river up the lazy hastings yeah right up the lazy hastings mate. i just got this lovely nice little brim probably about 31 centimeters and i just let the poor little bugger go and he swam two foot from the boat the bull shark grabbed him boy they they must be in there in droves Oh, mate, I've had, them, I've had them coming out this morning so far, pirouetting in the sky, you know, jumping out about three, four foot out of the water, doing big loopy loops, smashing into the mullet, grabbing brim off the boat. Oh, mate, it's, I've had one sitting underneath the front of me boat. I wonder why it was going quiet. <laughs> Got to be something. I look down and there's two bull sharks on each side of the boat just cruising with them. I'm going, oh, that's why it's quiet. <laughs> yeah, they're letting you, letting you do all the work. Uh, they're lazy up the lazy river. They're, they're saying, we know that's Treno's boat. He's one of the best fishermen on the Hastings and we'll just mooch a free feed off him. Uh, rotten bugger there. Anyway, anyway, mate, that's, that's part of fishing, I reckon. Yeah, look, uh, I spent a lot of time on the Hastings fishing with Jerry Voison and some of the great locals when I worked uh, there and, and lived there. And um, one thing that was sad was there were so many bass up the Maclay, but the Hastings, there were a few really big bass, but there weren't many. They used to get netted at Warhope, and, um, you know, it was really sad they'd intercept the spawn run. But has it turned around? It has, mate. Like, I've been striking some really nice fish, and there's a couple of boys, the Gill boys, that live out here at Warhope, and, mate, they've been getting some... Oh, Barry, he still calls bass perch, so, you know, he, you know, sort of, that's the sort of fish yeah. that Barry... <laughs> But, uh, mate, they've been getting some real nice ones up to around 50 centimetres out of the river. Ah, that's great. Uh, up the Ellenborough too, and a bit of a secret, there are a few trout up in the high country there, not far from the back of Warhope, up around Comboyne as well. I won't give too many secrets away. And 
up into the uh-huh. Werrikimbi National Park and all the way up to Walker. It's surprising what's in the upper Hastings. One thing that was great in the Hastings, in the upper reaches particularly up past Warhope, the tarpon, the mini, the mini tarpon, that was such good yeah. fun to catch on flies. There's still a good number of those in there, mate. I've stuck a couple of those. Last comp we had up here, uh, I got two or three of the little buggers. They scared the bejesus out of me because they hit me and just come straight at me. And one ran into the side of the boat. And I went, "What was that?" And I looked, and I went, oh, the tarpon. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's such good fun on little dry flies when they're rising. If there's a hatch of ants or some caddis on the water, they're just great fun to to fly fish for. They often come off. They're they're hard to keep pinned and and they jump like crazy don't they they are very acrobatic fish mate just as nearly as good as me Taratoga. well i think some of the biggest ones i've ever encountered have been on the hastings it's a a beautiful river for that but it really has bounced back has it since the the net ban since it became a recreational fishing haven yeah mate it may look this you've got a, a real good lot of small fish as well as your bigger fish at the moment, uh, the brim are a little bit sad. They're like, you know, the best brim you can get is 32 or 33. There is some better ones there, but we've had a whole heap of nor'easters lately. And the funny thing is, and it's true, you ask any of the old comp fish shows, like the old brim boys, you know, do the ABT, ABTs and all that sort of stuff, and they'll say, put a southerly in the river and your, your brim will grow. Such a variety of, of fish to target there too. I mean, the, the flathead... Fishing is just phenomenal. There are, there are the odd sneaky mangrove jacks. Um, uh, big mulloway coming back now in, in good numbers. Uh, the bass in the upper reaches. You name it, you've got it in that river. Really, uh, Trevally, uh, the list just goes on, doesn't it? Well, that's correct. Well, I was up, uh, tell you a place for Trevally at the moment, mate. I was up at uh, Nambucca chasing a few of those red devils up there. And uh, crikey, the size of the, the Trevally that are up there, they're in that four kilo mark now and there. They're great fun on light gear. Unbelievable. Unbelie- best fun going, really, I think, don't you? Oh, mate, look, a trevally that hits you on the surface and then runs half a spool of line off you, and I'm only using 15 or 20 pounds. I'm, I'm on chasing the, the, the red, the, the jacks, as we call them, or red devils. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, uh, mate, <laughs> they go pretty hard. They do, do indeed. We're speaking with Treno, who's up on the Hastings, and uh, he's had... A lot of bull shark encounters. I wouldn't be jumping into the river um, at the moment. No way, no way, Jose. I'm uh, not. Not that I've got the best body to go and dip in the river or anything like that. But uh, no, there's definitely that's definitely a no, no, mate. Are they up in your Camden Haven as well? Uh, I've seen a few. Uh, I haven't been up. I haven't been up my little patch of paradise for a little while now. Um, probably be oh, right, be four or five weeks. I've been working and. Well, that's, everybody goes, you know, they'll, they'll say that nasty B word with a, you know, bull durry. They know you don't work. You would work in an iron lung, they reckon. But uh, I've got a really good boss. Uh, but he's been away the last couple of weeks. So uh, I've been uh, man and man in the shop and I haven't had much chance to get out and have a bit of a crack. But this week, oh, crikey, I've been everywhere. I've got pigs and, I've got pigs and blackfish on uh, Monday. I had a bit of a crook back on Tuesday, so I stayed at home. And then Wednesday, I went up there and Bucker and... And in the Hastings, so you tell me. You went after a Luderick, and you ended up getting the rock blackfish or the, the drummer. Now, if you're using Luderick gear and hitting pigs or drummer, um, you're in a bit of trouble, Trenna. Uh, I, won, I won three out of eight battles, and I want me two floats back to the way. <laughs> so using kanji or weed? What were you using? Uh, just a bit of, just a bit of uh, cabbage, mate. Yeah, yeah. And they were so hitting they, the cabbage. They were going, well, this time of year, the water's nice and warm. 
all the blokes that'd be chasing yellowfin, all the tuna and that off the rocks and mackerel, that'd be going, what are you doing chasing them for? I said, well, you know, I, I don't get every opportunity to get out and chase mackerel or that sort of stuff, so I just uh, I just do it what I do. And back felt all right, so I went out on the, went down to my favourite little spot there, and uh, second drift, I, I knocked over a, a nice little piggy, about a kilo and a half. I said, well, you'll do, there's a feed, and then one grew to two, two grew to three, and then all sorts of broke out. I had a little bit, I cheated a little bit, I had a little bit of um, um, pellets out there too. Ah, it's good to do a bit of burling. Burling never hurts, does it? And uh, Treno, we're hearing from um, our listeners down south that Wahoo have turned up at Montague Island. If you look at those maps of the of the hot current, the red and the purple, it's just like a a bathtub out there. It's coming down from the reef, isn't it? It's it's amazing, mate. I've never seen so many bait fish, um, so many bait fish along the coast of the Benito. Or just around perhaps the Benito are just going off their nuts, and it's I mean going off their nuts. Uh, if blokes are walking out there every day and getting their ten, they're only allowed ten. So uh, I'd say ninety percent of the people are doing what they're told. The other other ten percent are not. So. Uh, but in saying that, mate, there's uh, been plenty of bonito out there. Slimy mackerel, yakkers. Like, we're getting, we're getting yakkers and, and slimies up the river. That's how thick they are. But the thing that's really got me perplexed, perplexed and puzzled, there you go, the, the P words for this morning, um, I can't find any decent whiting. I was talking to me usual spies down there. And, oh, hang on, oh, hang on. Oh, ah, sorry, I've got a stick. Uh, <laughs> I think it's the biggest stick of the morning too, by the way. Um, that's what happens when you cast them with their glasses. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I've been talking to my spies down there at Swansea, mate, and they're, they're very they're getting ones and twos, but that's about all they're getting. They're not getting any big ones at all. Yeah, where have all the whiting gone? Uh, that's the question, isn't it? Um, that is, that is, that is the, you'd make a song out of it. Where have all mm. the whiting gone? Well, they were thick before the rains. So maybe there's something to do with the rain, and, and maybe when it really flushes all the estuaries like that, they, they go somewhere. Well, they might just stay out on. Well, I, I haven't heard of many. I've heard a few. Like I said, you know, blokes getting twos and threes out on the beaches even. They're not... They're not there even in the beaches. I none of those, know. none of those big catches. I remember some of those red letter nights you, and days you'd have on Lake Cadai when the prawns were running, where you'd uh, bang the whiting on the poppers and, and get get your bag limit. Big whiting. Not only that, live prawns, mate. You just hook up your live. We we'll go back there overnight and fish around under the lights there, and just use your live prawns. If you, the flathead were getting a bit too annoying, you lighten your sinker up and just let the you know let the open your bail arm and let like your Gabe used to say. Best way to catch a whiting with an open bail arm, remember? Oh, let them feel nothing. That's the secret. Let them get that, that long shank hook down in the crushes, particularly the big ones, because they can suck it in and spit it out in the, the blink of an eye. And, and feeling no resistance is one of the real key factors. You're right. Yeah. Oh, I missed the old man. God, I missed the big fella. Oh, gosh, he taught me a lot, Gabe Quirchagrossi. He He really did. My catch rate on whiting went from... Zero to hero because of that man. Um, we'll, we'll remember him forever. Um, all of our listeners around that southern part of Sydney um, had the Norellan bait and tackle, of course, and, and uh, was a really great live bait fisherman, one of, the, one of the best in the state, and I think his competition results absolutely proved that too. I think, you know, he was the best whiting fisherman on George's River beyond a doubt. Oh, mate, some of the bags you used to see, mate, and you say, well, that's, that's just ridiculous. 
<laughs> Seriously, yeah. a man shouldn't be able to, man should not be able to catch that many big whiting. You know what I mean? Oh, he had some very good techniques, and he'd share them with everyone. He had the little tiny uh, black crane swivel, tiny little swivel. He'd even put those little tiny coloured beads above the swivel uh, to to stop the lead from t- clicking. You know, so your lead was silent um, right. on the bottom. Um, I, I've stopped doing that, but you know, he had so many ideas. He'd have his rod holders and and light bait runner outfits. You know, four pound line and a light bait runner. Um, yep. pointing straight at the bait. He'd, he'd cast perpendicular to the current and let it come around. He Just everything he did, um, and he knew all the spots, and just everything he did was tailor-made to catch fish. You couldn't not catch fish. i tell you what we did get the other day when we went for whiting, and it was a very high tide. We caught tons of tar wine, one after the other, just um, legal-sized tar wine. They only have to be, I think, 20 or so, but these ones were a bit bigger than that, and they're, they're, they're actually quite nice Eating Treno, I, I liken them to to snapper in a lot of ways. They're quite different to brim, whiter flesh. Some people say they're they're too soft, but I, I don't find that. No, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a brim either, as you know, mate. I I'd rather catch them and let them go because you know they're, they're, they're I I don't put them in the same category as the bass. But you know, brim are brim are an old fish, and it, you know if you get a forty centimeter brim, he's been around thirty odd years. So you know, so I, I tend to tend to let them go. I don't keep them much anymore. Um, I'd rather keep a drummer or, or a Ludric. Get back to your, your bead thing. Oh, I've been using that a lot uh, on the uh, Ludric setups. I have a little short piece of heavy line, say 20 or 25-pound mono, between two swivels where my leads run and where I put my split shots on. And I usually put a um, little little uh, soft bead either side of my lead so it doesn't plunk on the, on the sinker when you cast it in and when it's sitting around in the surf there. There you go. There you go. Oh, well, it it must work if, if you're doing it. We're co- talking to Treno. He's up the Hastings River at the moment, and he's been catching some nice brim. Unfortunately, there are tons of bull sharks, including sharks camped around his boat waiting for a, a feed, uh, eating the poor brim. So uh, it's it's not, not good. They they do love the warmer water too, don't they? And they do uh, go out, the, the mature ones, the big ones that will bite you in half, go up to the, the barrier reef they've found. Um, so no doubt they might disappear when things get colder. Well, they do, but they are, mate, look, I reckon the little ones, this is a nursery. You, the, the big ones come, these are about four foot long, so they were this year's. Mm, so mm. I think when they come out, they're about a foot, foot and a half long, or I don't know, what's that, 50 centimetres, 45, 50, depending on the size of the cow, of course. Mm, if, mm. if they're real big fish, then they're a lot bigger as a junior, uh, and when they come out as juniors. But, uh, yeah, these fellows are about four foot long, and there's quite a number of them, so... I dare say there'd be one or two that have come up here. And the beauty thing about bull sharks is that they they carry in their liver that much salt so they can get right up in the fresh water. So if you think you're right up the top end of the, the, in the deeper holes in the um, uh, in the Hastings and Maclay or any of the major rivers, and you think you're going for a dip in the water and being safe, well, I'd have a second look, mate, because yeah. get that far up. What about the flathead? What about the flathead? I mean, they're, they're a good fallback. They're, they've been pretty good this season. Very constant up here all year, mate. The flatties, they're, they're probably been the, the saving the saving grace up here at the moment, is our flatties. Uh, brim, look, down the lower reaches, the brim have been, uh, like you said, big brim down there. And they've, they've been sort of going on. Numbers are still good on them. Um, the tailor showed up again. Big tailor too, mate. I might have got a five kilo one the other day. Really? Off the rocks yeah. of the beach or? Uh, off the rocks, mate. He was out there spinning for, uh, for jewies and it took his jewy little, so... He was quite chuffed with that. It wow. went home with. Put a, an eight kilo Dewey 
next to an eight kilo tailor, I think I'd know who'd win that tug of war. I think I sent you a photo of one of those there. That night I was down on the beach. I got a seven and a half kilo tailor and a, about a nine kilo jewy, and I said, it's a bugger when the bait's bigger than the fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got me very excited, Treno. It's about that time to start to, to have a look for the, the Mulloway too in, in the surf and off the rocks. Uh, they start to come on at this time of year, don't they? Mate, I've never seen so many mullet in the river. There is so much mullet, even up, even up this end of town, up you know, more hope and that, mate. Oh my goodness, the uh, the amount of mullet that is here is ridiculous. Well, they've got to run soon. They've got to run soon. Well, they get the, well, they all gather where they get their joggers from. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's when the the, the Mulloway do chase them and everything else. So, uh, oh, it's very exciting, Treno. You've really whetted the appetite of all of our mid-north coast fishers. I reckon they just need to, to get up a lazy river and uh, enjoy life like you're doing. No, mate, every day is a good day in paradise, let me tell you, brother. Catch you next time, Treno. Up a lazy river by the old mill run The lazy, lazy river in the noonday sun Lingered in the shade of a kind old tree Throw away your troubles Dream a dream with me Up a lazy river where the robin saw Awaits the bright new morning Where we can overlong Blue skies of above Everyone's in love up a lazy river. How happy you could be up a lazy river with me. The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio. With this incredibly warm water, giant currents running off the coast all the way down to Victoria, down on the south coast, they're catching Wahoo. Next week on the program, we'll catch up with our blue water expert, Roden Woodhams, to talk about how to gear up for Spanish mackerel and Wahoo. But he's got an amazing story to tell about uh, a young bloke who's just moved up to the, the top end and caught a metre-plus barramundi in the boss's ute. Big wets up there. I mean, it's quite extraordinary in, in the Gulf. I believe a, a mate of yours caught a, a metre-plus barramundi from the back tray of his ute. Well, here's, here's the rub. It's the boss's ute, and the boss has been working in the territory for seven years, and the boss has never caught a barra over 85. Enter the newbie, just started work, who happens to be driving from Catherine Air Base back up to Darwin, because some of the boys are working. And it's flooded everywhere, and he just decides to go off a sidetrack near one of the rivers, the Victoria River, I think, from memory. And uh, he's a fisherman, but he's never caught a barra before. And he's driving up the road looking at a table drain, and uh, there appears to be a metre-long barra swimming beside the car up the table drain. Gee so he jumps, he jumps out, and in the back of the, the ute, as always, is the Abu Garcia and the Gold Bomber, which is from... Jace's rod and lure, and uh, the young bloke throws it in front of the barra, and the barra promptly eats it, and he gets a metre for barra in his first week in the territory, and Jace still hasn't caught a metre fish. That's just amazing, and and the the distance they'll move 
it's incredible. Watch out for the crocodiles too because they'd be using this event to get into all sorts of places they haven't been before. I can, I can tell you right now that uh, around the, the air base and that last bit of rain, so the rain is now in the, in the northern parts of the, uh, the territory and heading towards Rome, now going down towards Brisbane. When that first started, the, um, <clears throat> the area surrounding the air base of Catherine was flooded and they had two crocodiles swimming around the perimeter fence. Just little ones, just there they are. I mean, wow. just um, everywhere you go up there now, and I say this to everyone that travels north, um, just if you want to have a look at horror, watch the uh, tourist having a swim with his dog at the boat ramp, and the croc actually bites at him to move him sideways and then grabs his dog and goes. Yeah, I saw that. That was just uh, horrifying. That, oh, jeez, it gives well, you the, the shudders. As I said to another one of your colleagues the other day, when you live in Queensland and you interact with crocodiles, you understand this. You know, you can look at a shark and see that there's, you know, that's a black soulless eye, and that's an interesting animal, yeah? But when you look at a crocodile and it's looking at you, you know exactly what it's doing. It's just looking at you like going, come on, come a bit closer. Shark. shark will swim past you and go, oh, look, there's a strange seal. Might bite you, might not. But those crocodiles, we had a couple lived on the golf course when I was at Palm Beach. So they were getting bolder and bolder and bolder to the point that we had to get them moved. This was way back in the 90s because one had taken to laying on the practice green. Uh, <laughs> dear idea. Snappy, yeah, Gil- so- Snappy Gilmore, I think they called him. That's the one, bro. And, uh, yeah, he wouldn't move. He's just um, become very bold. Yeah, I, so I think... If you're up north, <clears throat> just stay out of the water and don't... After all these floods, don't make the outrageous mistake of thinking that this is a freshwater creek or a billabong. Well, it's just had flood water moving from maybe 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, 200 kilometres around. As that water attracts, big crocs will stay where they stay. You know, we've had uh, three verified reports of crocs moving down the coast into Brisbane in the last six months. And that's generally because of the, uh, the size of the animals that... Uh, and now at their peak size from the 70s. So there are more four-plus metre crocodiles than we've seen probably since the 1940s, Scott. Yeah, yeah, well, it's amazing, and, and you can stay safe. Why, why I, I don't... Uh, I respect them far more than sharks, and I do worry about sharks a little bit, but uh, a bull shark won't walk out of the river into your tent and drag you screaming back down into its den and, and eat you. Um, no. <laughs> but a, no. a crocodile will come a long way onto land to get, get prey, as we saw with that bloke at the, at the causeway, uh, you know, with, with the dog and, and getting bitten. I mean, that was just uh, a great example to stay well, well back. But anyway, the great story about your mate catching the metre four barramundi, and, and the barra will be everywhere. Uh, they'll, they'll get up and about too, and, and the crocodiles follow them, don't they? Well, look, look, we've got two things to look forward to. Uh, catching marlin in Tasmania and the runoff and the wet season that might produce something staggering and we might have a big burst of fish activity. Yeah, good, good to see. In the see. meantime, um, put, some, uh, you know, put some hex heads on or some uh, high-speed lures and uh, go out and chase a couple of water and frighten yourself. Yeah, and you would think that the, the Spaniards would be uh, down the coast as well, particularly off the mid-north coast where they seem to uh, camp when the, the hot currents are going as well. Even down as far as Port Stevens, that wouldn't surprise me at all this year with the temperature of the water and how it's travelling. And I think we're going to have a magnificent blue marlin season late, maybe April, May. So hopefully, uh, 
we can talk dangerous Dave into getting fiction out there and run a bit wide so we can put a hook in something um, big and solid, Scotty. Yeah, very, very exciting, very exciting stuff. The big wet up north, I think uh, once that settles down, a lot of people might be making a, a winter sojourn to chase a few fish. As you would, Scotty. Mate, you have a great day. Ain't no fish, ain't no flounder, ain't no tuna, ain't no fish. Holy mackerel, some days there just ain't no fish. Ain't no perch, ain't no flounder, you flounder for fish. Ain't no fish, and although at times you get a mess full, other days are less successful. Some days there just ain't no fish. Ain't no fish, ain't no fish. Some days we'll start mighty fine with a splash. With a nipple that tugs at your line Mighty fine But you reel it in to find You caught a beat-up shoe that's leaking water Some days there just ain't no fish The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio Fishing tips, some hot advice for your fishing trip. Where to find them? What's the bait? Are you catching any, mate? Good morning, Stinker. G'day, Scott. Speaking of what's the bait, too, one of our listeners heard you uh, talking about using big prawns the other day, which used to be your go-to bait for inshore snapper fishing. But uh, you've got to stress that they're um, from a reliable source, from a disease-free source. Oh, well, I, I mean, I read recently concern about white spot in prawns. And uh, anything that comes into this country uh, that has the, the opportunity to cause trouble um, has caused trouble. And that goes way back to everything we've introduced into this country, um, whether it be rabbits or cane toads or or carp. I mean, look at the damage that's been done there. Foxes, cats. I mean, it's just crazy. And then, uh, look, we look at um, what's happened to the oyster industry. It's been decimated by viruses and parasites that we really don't know much about. And now we're talking about white spot in prawns. Well, you know, I mean, we've really got to be on our guard with what comes into this country, and and we're doing our very best, I'm sure. But now, as far as um, saying that recreational fishermen using uh, prawns for bait is going to be a problem, well, I use prawns for bait, and I get my prawns from coals and woolies, but I can tell you now that the prawns I use come from Queensland and always have done and always will will do. They're banana prawns, they're on sale, and you can generally get them between 20 and 25 or $26 a kilo. Now, a kilo of those prawns from Queensland will last me to, for two snapper outings. Um, so the venomite prawn, which is the one that, that most concern seems to be about, does come from overseas in the Asian countries. And what I would ask, Scott... Um, is why we need to import prawns in the first place. Um, so, you know, don't point your finger at the recreational fishermen that are using venomite prawns for bait. 
Um, let's go back to where all this started from. Uh, somewhere, <laughs> someone has thought it was a good idea to import prawns. So where does that all happen? And I think also there's more risk with importing the green prawns as well. But uh, the, the alarm bells have been ringing for a long time. Recreational anglers for a long time have been warning about this and, and other experts. But um, we still seem to have uh, that, that uh, importation of diseased prawns when we had a disease-free wild stock. And, and those uh, farmed Australian prawns are very good too. Um, but they're all under risk now, aren't they? Well, yeah, man. Everything comes under risk when the, when or something like this is is uncovered. But that, yeah, so that's what I would suggest. I mean, I once uh, was handed a, a bag of prawns um, that were come from a restaurant, a, a highly respected restaurant, and the prawns had a tag on it that said "Product of India." <laughs> Well, people go into restaurants and they might have some sort of seafood. Well, don't expect that to be local. For for um for the one main reason is because local seafood is very expensive. <laughs> it's um what's it now seventy dollars a a kilo for for um some flathead fillets or whiting fillets or I haven't had a look lately, but I know it's very high. Um, oysters have gone up incredibly for, because it's local and, and it's much cheaper um, to for outlets, uh, restaurants and fish shops to, to sell overseas uh, seafood because there's a greater profit to be made. I mean, it all boils down to, to basics, really. But my question is, uh, are we so short of prawns in this country that we need to import prawns? So that would be what I'd be asking. I wouldn't be pointing the bone at, at, at recreational fishermen. I'd be saying, okay, who let this happen in the first place? Maybe that's the worth thinking about. Well, you've gone away from the prawns anyway, haven't you? Last time we yeah. spoke to you, you, you said that the old freezer burn yellowtail was the ticket. <laughs> well, look, it's amazing, really. I'm always up for change. I, I was, uh, like, and I still am, a dinosaur. There's no debate about that. I'm from the past era. Um, but I still in, I'm still looking, always searching for some method that, it, that is more effective. So what I've been doing lately, and it's proven incredibly successful, is that I have changed my... Um, the way I use bait. I mean, I'm a bait fisherman. I've tried plastics and I've had great success with plastics, but plastics doesn't really offer me the challenge. Using plastic, plastics turns drongos into champions. <laughs> I mean, if you, all you need to do is put a plastic on and throw it in the right place and you'll catch a fish. Plastics has revolutionised fishing. It's changed the whole game. Um, you give uh, fishermen a block of pilchards and you say, go out there and catch a snapper, they mightn't be able to. You give them a bag of plastics and go out and their, their chances increase dramatically. Um, and that's been shown and that's why walls and walls of tackle, tackle shops are covered in plastics because plastics are very, very effective. <laughs> but, so I, but me being me still goes fishing with 
bait. And then I just, and burly. Like, I got so much bread in my freezer down there for burly to catch um, bait. Uh, you'd think I got more bread than the baker. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you burly when you go fishing? Look, where I fish in the estuary, it runs really hard. So I, I don't burly too much, but I think you do burly anyway if you're a bait fisherman because I, I use live nippers. And so, you know, you'll pull the one out that, that might look a bit crook and pull the pull the head off and, you know, uh, throw throw that over, just a little trickle of that all, all the way through. So, yeah, I guess I do, Stinker, and, and I, I think they really find you. Um, even when you're using that soft bait like yellowtail, that, that often disintegrates on the hook and creates burly in itself, doesn't it? Oh, well, I like to have a steady stream of, of um, bread or anything else I can get from the, the baker. And I've mentioned it before, donuts and scones and lemmingtons. Oh, they love lemmington. And, and even um, cereal. Old stale wheat bicks and uh, rice bubbles no good because they won't sink. <laughs> They're not worth a crack of rice bubbles. You can't get them to sink. <laughs> but no, so so when I, when I do that, it always creates a massive interest from bait fish, particularly yellowtail, but also sweep. Is there anything we can do with sweep? Well, I know I mean, that oftentimes at the back of your boat, it's just a boiling mass of sweep. You could almost walk on them across the water, and you've got to get, get away from them. You've got to get down through them, haven't you? You do, and they're a real problem because they're ravenous, and they'll beat a yellowtail to the hook nine times out of ten. But, I mean, I have known people to eat sweep, but not me. I've never had a crack at it. Have you ever tried one? Yeah. I beg your pardon? Have you ever tried one? No, I haven't. Wasn't there a bloke from up the Hunter at, at Broughton Island once who they, they gave him a, a feed of them and what, they called him Newcastle Brim or something? Yeah. Well, that could be true, yeah. No, I can't remember it, but yeah, that's probably the case. I mean, if you put it in batter, you cut it and take all the take all the bones out. I mean, they're not all that big, really, are they? But you could you could make a fillet out of it, and if you battered it and cooked it in oil, I, I'm sure someone would say that's beautiful. But it, you never, ever see them in uh, uh, on sale. They're never on sale. However, so what I've been doing is burling up, and the water's just thick with bread, and, and the fish at the back of the boat are going nuts, all those things. But now the kingfish have moved in. And everything else takes a back seat when the when the kingies arrive. But I also went out to, or through the week, and I took a, a young fella and his mum out. They've been asking me for age, so <laughs> right. I fishing stinker. So I said, right, so I armed them up with a hand line. I said, we're going fishing for yellowtail. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I threw a, a, a snapper line out just in case. I caught two snapper actually, and a silver trevally. Um, but uh, the main aim of the exercise was to catch as many yellowtail for my freezer as I could possibly get because they're proving to be so, so effective. I mean, far, far more effective than I ever, ever expected them to be. It goes a long way back to a bloke called Billy Croft, and he was the best fisherman I've ever met in my life. Um, He's passed quite a while back. 
But he was a genius, in my opinion. And he said to me, look, Stinker, he said, one of the best baits, he said, is a, a, a yellowtail head, a head from a yellowtail. And hook, put your six eight through its nose, toss it out, unweighted, and hang on. And I said, oh, well, I tried it a couple of times, and absolutely nothing happened. So I said, well, this is a dud. I'm not doing it anymore. So somehow or other, I gravitated back to it. I think it was because it was the only thing I had in the boat, boat that, that I could have used for bait. And I threw out this old head that had been frozen two or three times, and it did, oh, it was, it was a shocking-looking thing. And whooshka, I caught the four-and-a-half-kilo snapper. I thought, oh, well, this all right. So then I tried um, cubing the yellowtail, taking another two cubes off a yellowtail, well, the success I've had, um, I'm beating the prawns 10 to 1. Now, that's amazing, really, isn't it? It is. And the head is obviously a bit firmer. Is that why it's a better bait? It stays oh, on. I suppose so. But, you know, you look at it from the snapper angle. He's swimming around down there and he sees that. And I say, snapper are not bussy. I remember once I caught three beautiful snapper on um, on salted pilchards that were from the bottom of my freezer. I was cleaned out the freezer, and they'd been pressed down so they looked like someone had ironed them. <laughs> they were they were wafers, <laughs> so salted pilchard wafers that you could barely recognise as a pilchard, and that was the only bait I had at the time. And I caught three beautiful snapper. A snapper will have a crack. At just about anything. Well, it sounds like they're uh, certainly not going to get too many prawns from you anymore. Maybe keep those banana prawns for your next uh, prawn curry. Well, when you put a big one on, you think, gee, you know, if this was crumbed and put in front of me for tea tonight, this would be quite <laughs> beautiful. But then you throw it out and you think, oh, it's expensive. It's not expensive because you might take out, say, a half a kilo of prawns with you, um, and I'm talking banana prawns, Queensland prawns, and, and because those other ones anyway, the venomite and all those other stuff, it's too small for bait. You wouldn't, I wouldn't use it anyway. But, um, oh, the snapper, you think, well, is it worth um, one snapper? One prawn equals one snapper. That's, that's a fair swap. So that's, why you, that's how you justify using prawns. But I've also thought about using crabs for, for bait for snapper. Now, I wonder if anyone's had a crack at that because I've, um, on occasions, have opened up the snapper and found it to be um, bits and pieces, claws and legs and whatever else, of rock crabs. I've caught snapper on a handline fishing for groper with a crab bait. So I know they work. But has anyone ever taken them to sea? And interestingly, down on Fingal Point, on right, right on the point, there's a pothole, and it's about shoulder deep. And then you put your hand down this pothole, and you can always pull out a few crabs. But I know you're going to say, what about blue-ringed octopus? <laughs> what about blue-ringed octopus, Stinker? <laughs> well, you don't want to pull one of them out. So, you know, you've got to be a little bit um, careful. You do indeed. You do. If you touch anything squishy, pull your hand out real quick. 
Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, oh, but... they gave me the horrors. They're so deadly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I've never really come face to face with one, and I'm not all that keen to do so. But yeah, so that's something else I'm going to try one day. I've been doing this for a lifetime, and I'm still doing things differently. And I think that's a challenge that fishing gives. You know, you don't have to always stay the same. Have a bit of, give a little bit of variety every now and then, and you'll be surprised at the results. What I'm finding about this change to the yellowtail cube, I, I think it's one of the greatest impacts on, on my fishing career, greatest changes that I've ever experienced. Wow. Hey, what about the, the bread burly stinky? Do you find much of that inside the, the snapper when you clean them if you bother to do an autopsy? No, not really, which is another amazing. I do an autopsy most of the time just to find out what's been on the menu. Uh, but they really have the bread in them. But I think, and this is another one of my theories, that because there's so much bait generated at the back of the boat, that fish can also hear, you know. They don't, they don't only smell and see, but they can also hear. Now, if there's so much excitement going on at the back of the boat, they'd be inquisitive to find out what's this all about. So I think just the actual presence of all these fish jumping and carrying on at the back of my boat um, makes them rather inquisitive. And when I throw my bait out at the back of the burly trail, Wacko, off you go. And I think they're there just to find out what's going on. There you go. Another another theory. Hey, Stinker, it's great fun to talk to you again. Tight lines. There it is, Scott. And let us know how you go with the crab experiment, would you? Yeah, I will do. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi on ABC Radio.
Johnny B. Good. You can shout out Tangled Ray, but I'll be in my dream. I'm going up the stream. I'll be back in 30 days. I'm going fishing. Oh, yes, I'm going fishing. Just grab your pole and meet me down at the hole and come go fishing with me. On sensational Sydney Harbour, Craig McGill on the water already this morning. How you doing? Good day, mate. How are you? Yeah, going well. You've got a good, good. crew on board. I hope you're pulling a few in, or is it a bit early? Oh no, no. We've got our squid. Actually, we've just got set up. So we've got we got some squid. We got some yakkers, and we've just set up in location. And yeah, fingers crossed now. Excellent, excellent. And what's the plan? Because I hear from one of your mates uh, that. Uh, the hot water has, has got a lot of big kingies still outside. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yep, they, it, it has sort of dispersed them, and um, we've got we're still getting them in here, um, but they're a little bit hit and miss. I, I actually think the main thing that's keeping them on the move in here at the moment is that it's just crawling with sharks. It is just amazing out here at the moment. We probably hooked six or seven yesterday. A couple of big bull sharks. Um, there's whaler sharks, there's hammerheads. We Rarely a day goes by where we don't get a hammerhead. Um, and I think as a result of that, the fish are on the move. Um, so you'll find them in one spot one day. And normally at this time of year, you can go back to that spot, you know, over and over for a week or even longer if you're lucky, and, the, and, the, and they'll hang there. But now they're just constantly on the move, and I think the sharks are just on their tail all the time. Gee, this, um, is, this is a reoccurring theme on this morning's Big Fish. Earlier on in our first cast with a man on the mid-north coast, Cole Treneman, up the uh, the river, w- right up past Warhope in the Hastings River, and just could not get away from bull sharks. Um, they were camped under yeah. his boat and uh, eating the brim that he was gently letting go. <laughs> um, so yeah. They're just uh, in big numbers. Do you think it's got something to do with the hot water? The hot water and... The rain we had last season has caused a bloom in um, in, in Benito, uh, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. So a good food supply. If you look at the, the temperature map of that East Australian current this year, there's a, a, a strong purple line all the way down to the Victorian border, and I just think that's the Shark Highway, you know. It's full of marlin, it's full of Benito. I know that there's other tuna out too. We saw some... Stripies at the heads, there's some mac tuna around, and yeah, I think they're just warm water and, and, a, and a flourish of food from all the nutrients pumped in pumped in last year. But, um, mate, I tell you what, I, I wouldn't be doing any swimming in the harbour, and even on the beaches, I'd be, you know, sticking to, well, I'd be keeping out of those low light hours anyway. Yeah, good good tip there. And uh, a lot of these sharks, I guess, they are migratory. We've, we've seen that the big bull sharks that they've tracked from Sydney Harbour go way up to the Barrier Reef to spawn, and then, then they come back. They, their babies are about a foot long when when born, <laughs> and now they're about four yeah. or five foot long, according to Treno. He reckons there's been big uh, recruitment. You know, they've, they've uh, had mm. a good breeding season. Yep. Oh, look, 
I think everything has. All, all the fish we're catching at the moment are spawned up. Um, and even, you know, well out of season, I think, I think what's happening is because of all that nutrients that's gone in and the flourish in bait fish and bonito, everything's sort of taking as much advantage of that as, as possible to, to grow as quickly as possible and breed up. And I think there's extra breedings going on this year. Um, but it's certainly, it's certainly sort of turned the fishing upside down. The fishing's been good, but no consistency. It's certainly everything's moving around and, yeah, it's weird. We've been getting a few of the tropical ones down here. So there's amberjack, um, Samson's, quite a few cobia being caught. Um, the Watson's Leaping Bonito have been out here. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's an interesting season. But I, I actually think as a result of all this, we're looking at, we're looking at four or five years of really good fishing after this. And I know in the freshwater particularly um, that, that's going to be the case. I was down off uh, Malwala, you know, Lake Malwala down on the... Yeah, great, great cod uh, fishery. It's a really interesting story, Malwala, isn't it, that they yeah. intended to flood this, this uh, lake, this dam offshoot of the Murray, and uh, before they could take all the timber out, it, it flooded, uh, creating yeah. this incredible underwater forest that's just brilliant habitat. wasn't so good for a, yeah. a big uh, water supply impoundment or, or um, irrigation impoundment, but perfect for, for cod. That's right, yeah, and I was down there last week and that was just crawling with fish. Um, so, yeah, mate, it's, it's, it, it's different. Like, you've, you've got to adapt a little bit now to what's happening, but I think, I think long-term it's going, to be, it's going to be really good. All right, well, keep your hands and feet inside the boat this morning, <laughs> <laughs> Craig mate, McGill. I'm, yeah, absolutely, mate. It's, I, quite, quite seriously, though, I, people really should consider where and when they're swimming at the moment because um, it is probably as bad as I've ever ever seen it for sharks out here. Yeah, watch out for those low-light periods at those swimming spots around Sydney. I think, you know, you're looking at Watson's Bay and Balmoral and all those lovely spots. Uh, just maybe yeah. middle, middle of the day would be a bit safer. Yep. Okay, yeah, I'll let is. you get back into it, Craig. I know you've got the, the beautiful fresh squid and, and tight lines. Hope you and the crew there catch some beauties. All right, mate. Talk soon. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.